You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. Hope y'all enjoy. Right now, when you guys are hearing this, this is Black History Month. And it's been exciting because we have all guests this month that are focused on the Black community. They are representative of community community themselves. And we know that y'all get tired of hearing us talk all the time. <laughs> so we like to bring in experts to talk about what they know, what they've studied. Um, and today is no different. So we're really excited because we have Jaron Doby with us today. Um, North Carolina stand-up. So I'm saying, it's so funny because um so Carly you know because you helped me work on the LinkedIn course (laughs) but I love LinkedIn because you know sometimes you run across folks from back in the day and it's like oh they run at companies now like oh they're doing big things it's so interesting and so I happened to connect with Jaron on LinkedIn fairly recently um and it was just so funny because I know him from back in the day he went to UNCG my brother went to UNCG so I used to kind of slightly be around and then I had my period of, of, of dating a member of Beta Epsilon, but I know uh, JD represents PZ. Um, and it was just so funny because I used to just be all in the mix, like <laughs> just all in the mix. So um, it's exciting to see what he's become. And I'm going to have, J- not Jaren, I'm going to have Carly, <laughs> the actual official introduction before we welcome our guests for you guys. Absolutely. So Jaron Doby is a psychotherapist with more than 14 years of experience in the mental health field. Jaron currently practices as an outpatient mental health therapist and is a passionate public speaker who also serves as a mental health correspondent for various news media outlets in North Carolina. Jaron is also the co-founder of Transcend Resource Solutions, LLC, an organization driven to spread awareness surrounding mental health and educational disparities within the community. That's awesome. And then we we left out this whole list of ABC. <laughs> I know all these things he's been in, right? Just because we didn't want y'all to hear us stumble through all those names. But um, JD, it looks like you've been doing a lot of great work, not just within the area of therapy, but um, in starting conversations and being outspoken about, you know, a lot of this I think is exposure. So first of all, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah. Look, look, I am overjoyed to be here with y'all today. Uh, Alexia knows we go, I mean, back like Cracker Jacks, like seriously, you know <laughs> what I mean? So like, I mean, it really is a pleasure to be here. Um, definitely been watching, you know what I mean? I'm subscribed to you all's YouTube channel for sure um, and things of that nature. So it is just an honor to be here. Hopefully we can shed some light, help some people and, and lead them in the right direction as you guys usually do. So hopefully I can help. We, we need you to lead us in the right direction. <laughs> 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 you can talk to somebody in the field of like mental health or therapy or you know, whatever their expertise is, like we always like to learn and we get nice, nice little nuggets from them as well. Um, so having known you for a while then, and from back in the day, like Renaissance and Jeb's Ultra Bar, how mm-hmm. did you get into the field of mental health? Gosh, um, to be honest with you, I, I feel like that it was something that was on accident and on purpose at the exact same time. I, I'll let you know what I mean by that. Um, I had no interest whatsoever in being a therapist or being in mental health, to be quite honest with you, when I was, you know, younger, when people say, hey, what you want to be when you grow up? I was a musician, to be honest with you. I was a traveling musician. I was in a group called the Sons of Steel. Um, That was my life before um, I went to college, like touring the country, 
Uh, we opened up for some pretty prominent acts like uh, Lauren Hill, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, we toured with the uh, original Whalers band without Bob Molly, of course. But like, I mean, really, really, really music was my life. And I thought that that was going to be it. Um, right before college, our band, uh, of course, like we all went our separate ways. Um, and I was left like, what am I going to do? Ended up, my mom was like, well, you're not going to sit around here all day. You need to go do something. Literally, <laughs> she took me around town to apply for colleges. And I ended up getting into UNCG. Like, this was so weird. And I'm probably going to get somebody in trouble in admissions. Like, two, three weeks before classes started. Like, no lie. I went up there and applied. It was the only school I went to. I was just like, I wasn't even thinking about college. Went in as a music major, to be honest with you. And... After one semester, UNCG, don't call me and, and tell me that y'all hate me. I'm so sorry. But I just couldn't do it anymore, y'all. Like the Bach and Beethoven every day and the classical side of things, which I really do appreciate because all elements of music are important. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, look, I can do music on my own. I've continued to do so. What else do I like? Um, I was taking a psychology class at the time. Loved it. You know what I mean? I was like, hey, I like to talk. I like to talk to people. I didn't put the association together, you know what I mean? But I was like, look, this might be something interesting. Ended up changing my major, took the classes, loved it. I mean, and it's just the story that just started to formulate on its own. Graduated from undergrad, like a lot of people. I, nowadays, it seems like everybody does a great job of having a, an, a, a, a job when they graduate, right? Oh, I had nothing. Like, I had nothing, y'all. Um, uh, funny story, Alexa, you may know there's a, a, a water park here in Greensboro called like Wet n Wild or Emerald Point, uh, depending on what time of uh, era you were there. But I was like a lifeguard supervisor, like every summer throughout college before then. So after I graduated from college, it was like, all right, I'll go do that at least for the summer. I know I got right. something. I'm kind of brave. And it was like, what's next? And I had no idea what was next, y'all. I was like, I got the psychology degree. Like, but what do I do with it? You know what I mean? Great mentor of my family. I shout her out in every interview I ever do because I owe her my career. And I'm very honest with you. Her name is Sonia Desai. She is a great, 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 great person. Um, friend of my family, very close to my family. I thank her every time I see her. I hug her extra tight every time I see her because I would not be here if it was not for her. And I mean that. Um, she called and was like, hey, JD, I heard that you are out of school. You're looking for a job. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like people don't go to water parks in the winter. You know what I mean? Like I need something. I need something to help me. And she was working at a local mental health agency. And she said, it's not much, but I can get your foot in the door. What you do with that is what you will. Um, and I was like, cool guys. Um, and, and I've told people this story plenty of times because it just encourages, I, I hope that it encourages people not to give up and not to take your opportunities for granted. But that opportunity that she put me on to was a receptionist job, like slash like intake job at a mental health agency. So that's what I did. It was like, that was my training. Hey, JD, how you, this, here's how you turn on the coffee maker. Here are the keys to opening the building. This is how you transfer to this person. If this person calls looking for a service, this is the information you take from them. And before, I mean, I didn't spend two seconds, you guys thinking like, oh man, I graduated from college and my friends asked me what I'm gonna, what, I, what I'm doing with my life. Oh yeah, I'm a receptionist, you know what I mean? I kind of help guide people to their, you know, their mental health needs. It's like, I didn't think about it like that. Like to me, I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity that I can make of it exactly what it is that I desire, or I can squander it, right? And take it for granted. 
Um, I did the complete opposite. I put my all into that. I learned everything I could because when you're in that kind of position, you get to talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started thinking about. I had connections with like the CEO of the company that nobody had because we had to communicate regularly with all these people. I learned so much about the game and I just took that knowledge and I was just like stuffing it in my, in my knowledge bank. Like, look, I'm about to use this. That opportunity turned into you know, me being able to get a, a, a promotion many times within the company, I actually ended up uh, running my own program um, over the most serious juvenile felons in Guilford County, which is in North Carolina. And my responsibility was to reduce recidivism rates in Guilford County and um, touched a lot. A lot. I mean, that was probably one of the most re- re- uh, rewarding, excuse me, positions that I've ever been in. Because, I mean, literally, I still get calls, text messages, Facebook messages from these guys like, J.D., look, I graduated from college. Like, J.D., look, I'm married now. Like, J.D., look, I had a family. And like, and, I, it, and it just, it, it moves me to tears, y'all. I'm not going to lie. It really does. Because here I am, undergraduate, no license to practice therapy at all at that time. And it was like, I'm touching lives. I knew I had to do more. But I knew I had to do more for my community because when I was around, like I knew one black therapist, one, you know what I mean? And I was like, wait a minute. No, that, that's that's not a good thing. And then I started looking around again and I was like, I'm not the only guy around here. Like there are no men in this industry like that, let alone black men. And I was like, that's the change. So started looking into programs and, uh, you know, having conversations with the therapist that I knew. And it led me uh, to the Joint Master Social Work Program between UNCG and a Shout out to my Spartans. Shout out to my Aggies. We in here. You know what I mean? We made it one day at a time. And it, the rest is history, y'all. Like, I, I've been so blessed um, to be able to have great professors, great mentors along the way, bad mentors along the way, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's keep it real, right? Let's do that. And, I mean, that have just... I mean, put me in such a wonderful position to be able to to help people. And, and I, I truly feel like that, that was my that's my purpose here on Earth um, It's just to touch one person. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I've been fortunate to do that. So that's the that's the short version of the story. Believe it or not. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. Seriously. No, that's amazing. And there's so many themes that we talk about so often, like synchronicity, like things lining up in ways you couldn't have ever planned, but God just kind of put those dominoes together. You taking advantage of opportunities that, you know, some people might look down on, but it's like, yeah. yo, they don't recognize that you're the only person who can talk to everybody and, you know, know those things in that. Um, so you ran your program and it sounds like it was really successful um, for the youth in the county um, and reducing recidivism. What do you focus on now therapeutically and how did you transition from the successful program and being this amazing receptionist promotion, promotion to mm-hmm. what you're doing now? Right. Um, and in relation to the transition, to me, it was rough, to be honest with you. I was leaving a company and a job that I loved. You know what I mean? Like literally this company treated me so well. Um, I mean, everybody was so nice to me. Everybody really poured into me. And that's not something that happens everywhere. You know what I mean? Like everybody, you know, a lot of times is out for themselves, right? Or out to make sure that you don't outshine them or outdo them or keep their own job, right? And kind of don't really have time to do that. But I mean, people really took me in and they didn't have to, you know what I mean? To, to do that. So when I transitioned to grad school, like 
that was tough for me to, to hand in that resignation. You know what I mean? It was like, ah, this hurts. Like, I don't want to go, y'all. And they're like, look, maybe you can come back and run the place. And I was like, look, don't speak too quick. You know what I'm saying? It might be a <laughs> you know what I mean? So like literally in doing that, it was dope. But when I got into therapy, of course, that's what everybody thinks about. Like, what is your niche? Like, who do you want to help? I knew I wanted to be in a position right? Where people of color, people that look like me, right? Could walk into the room and just be happy to see somebody that they feel like they can relate to at the end of the day. Because when I tell y'all that like, I can count on one hand at the time, how many black therapists I knew, and even less that I was able to have like normal contact with, like I was able to tangibly put my hands on them, like, hey, y'all look, they're over here. So I was like, look, man, like, I want to be able to address anything that people bring to me. And so I just started being a student of the game, right? And being able to uh, address any and all things. But my specialty, I feel like nowadays, I've really taken to more so into addressing depression and anxiety. Um, It is definitely um, huge, huge in the Black community, huge in surrounding communities too. You know what I mean? Like all people of color and people that are not. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, but I knew that my style is more so um, encouraging, motivational, right? Solution focused. I kind of got that. I've told that voice for that. And I'm like, you know what? Look, that's fine. I'll run with that. You got to be able to use your talents and your strengths, right? And be aware of your weaknesses. So that has been my bread and butter. Like, I mean, seriously. And uh, it is definitely the niche or the area of focus that I am. I mean, truly, to be able to think about it now that you guys have asked me, right? <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's, it's what I'm super passionate about. And I feel like I could spend the rest of my days doing my best to be able to help people resolve those issues, be happier um, overall, whatever happiness looks like to them, right? Because it looks different for all of us. So that's important. I'm curious about the experience as a therapist, as a, as a Black therapist, male therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, does everybody that you tend to speak with, like they're at the point where they are there with you, I want to change, I want to be here? Or do you sometimes, you know, fight against folks who they might not be as comfortable, maybe somebody kind of brought them there, or you know, therapy is new or scary, there's certain stigmas. Talk to us about your experience and just working with, you know, the community. And it's like, all right, how can you help people feel, you know, like this is something helpful where they need to be? Excuse me. Yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, look, I work with kids too, y'all like uh, teenagers. Uh, I think my, my youngest that I'm taking right now are around like 12 years old. You know what I mean? Uh, and of course, you know what I mean? I, 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 I don't call them kids to their faces because, of course, at the end of the day, you can't tell nobody that they're oh, yeah. kids these days. I'm just like, look, young men and young women is what I usually call them when I see them. But y'all know how that goes, because we were all teenagers, too, one day, right? And your mom and your dad bring you in, and it's like, look, my son, my daughter needs to talk to somebody. And I'm like, well, what's the problem? Look, I don't know. It's already ahead of the curve, because a lot of our parents ain't from that generation, really, mm-hmm. where they're like, you better go really? say a prayer. <laughs> and pray about it. Right. You know what I mean? Because that, that, that's the era I come from, too. It's like, look, you know what I'm saying? You got problems in life. Like, you, you better get them too. your ones and twos. <laughs> look, God got you. You know what I mean? We're going to take care of that. But it's like these parents, and, and I'm glad to see it, but uh, it's like, look, I don't know what's going on with him. Bring him in. You know what I mean? You need to fix him. You need to fix her. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I always turn that statement around. I'm like, you know what? Look, I'm not a fixer. You know what I mean? It's, it's not my job to fix anyone. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to take an opportunity to identify 
with these young people, identify, excuse me, what it is that they are going through, what the, what the true problem is, because what a parent's perception is of the issue or what they think is problematic. I'm trying to tell y'all nine times out of 10, the story is completely different when I'm, when I'm meeting with those young people separately. It's like, my mom doesn't know what she's talking about. Like she thinks that, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to go to school because I'm losing motivation and stuff like that when really the work is too easy. And I'm like, it was that simple just by asking them what the issue is, asking them what that's about. So no, uh, you all like, no one ever comes to me just, yes, therapy, let's do this. This is going to be great. Like, come on, JD, let's get started. I can't wait. No, there are people that are like, honestly, I seriously don't want to do this. I'm coming because of my wife. I'm coming because of my husband. I'm coming because my kids said, and I'm coming because, you know, if I don't, then I'll lose everything, that kind of situation. And I'm like, look, at the end of the day, let's normalize that feeling. Let's not be like, oh, okay, well, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to come. I'll see you later. No, it is completely okay to feel the way that you feel about this. You know what I mean? Being forced to come anywhere and do anything that you truly don't want to do. Yeah, it's going to generate that kind of feeling or emotion. I get that. And then like, they look at me like I have three heads usually when I say that. And it's like, you understand me? Like, oh my gosh, let's talk some more. And it usually transforms into that because it's about meeting a person where they are, y'all, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not be creating a narrative of, of any kind. So good thing about it is there are people that come that are gung-ho, ready to do this. There are some people that come that are, are, are afraid to open up the, that old emotional box of stuff. You know what I mean? And then there are some that just don't want to be there whatsoever. Like, when is this going to be over? But I stick in there with them because that's what they need at that time. Is there somebody to stick in there with them to care enough? So yeah. it's so funny to me that when you think about therapists, yes, they have so much extra training to be able to connect particular dots to understand, you know, how to see where things may have stemmed from and come from. But it's just so interesting that one of the main, main focuses is just listening to somebody. And why is it that, you know, as somebody who might be a very close friend or a parent or a partner, sometimes, you know, we're so stuck in like, what's our story with the issue or with the person that it is very hard to just listen and validate them and identify because we're seeing like what does that mean about me if you're saying this um so I just think it's so interesting as therapists like you get to be a nice neutral person where it's like you know I'm just I'm not here to agree with you disagree tell you you're right or wrong I'm just here to listen to you and help you explore and I wish that there was you know that people learn more of that just in classes school you know like have more of this type of of learning just from our own education in the system Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you are speaking to something that is very important, to be quite honest with you. And um, it reminds me of an episode of you all's that I watched, to be honest with you. I think it was titled Don't Force It. Right. And and talking about those kinds of things. Right. Generally, as the message. Right. And being careful of the things that we kind of push forward through and things of that nature. We have to. and, And that message rang true to me when I when I was listening, like the whole time I was like, Y'all need to be some therapists, like for real, for real. Because I'm watching that. Lessons from therapy. Look, talking about what I learned. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, because I'm I'm sitting there and I'm just like, look, they they really know what it is that they are talking about. You know what I mean? Because that's the best teacher, life, right? And and the experience that the experiences, excuse me, that it is that we have. But like, we have to know when we're ready for something. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you got to know when you're ready to engage in therapy. Like, because I tell folks that all the time. Me personally, in my experience, in my 14, almost 15 career, 15 year career mental health, y'all, I'm getting old. Like, oh my, <laughs> oh my, 
I'm getting old. But like literally what I figured out is that's what it's all about. You could be the top therapist, top researcher in your field, all this different stuff. None of it matters. It comes down to level of readiness for the person that it is that you're talking to. Like, am I ready to be able to do this? Because if I'm not ready, no matter the, the greatest strategies in the world are not going to be able to help me or assist me in any way. It's like, am I like in pre-contemplation or am I contemplating being able to make some adjustment of some kind? And that's what's going to bring me through. So j- just pay attention to that, like to yourselves, to everyone. Um, and, and you guys talk a lot about that too, which I really do appreciate. You know what I mean? Paying attention to yourselves. And, and, and I'm going to remember here in a minute what episode that was, because I'm trying to tell y'all, like, I really watch. Like, I, I do it. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, ever since Alexia reached out to me, we connected. She was like, yeah, I got this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Carly's Couch. And I was like, all right, right. I went and looked it up, YouTube, right? And I was like, dang, they got a lot of episodes. You know what I mean? And so, you know how it goes? Like, I was like, look, I want to see how they evolve. So I started from the beginning. And just the content that you guys are putting out and the message that you are putting out and just the things that you say are just so powerful. I was like, I got to get in on this. So when uh, Alexia called and was like, yeah, like we'd love to have you on. I was like, like, say no more. I'm there. Like, I'm I'm aligned with the messages that you guys share because they're just so strong and and they're what people need because we need to be able to relate and, and just a centralized level, like playing field. And just be able to say, look, I see you, I hear you, I understand you, right? As to what is going on. So please keep doing what y'all are doing. Like I'm trying to tell you, like it is very much so appreciated. I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Um, so please don't quit. Don't ever quit. If y'all never hear it again, please don't quit. Aww. We appreciate those words and I appreciate you kind of going through and checking us out. Um, making sure you were gonna be on a platform that was on point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, no, that's no. real, yo. That's real. That is so real. <laughs> Make sure we wasn't wasn't talking about splitting dates and stuff like that on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I just wanna I wanna ask you one other thing. So I have okay. a client that is a mental health organization, and so you know, in all parts okay. of my life, I kind of am in that area, mm-hmm. right? And yes. so, in staying on top of like things that are going on, there's a couple of findings that I think came out of like last year one was that um black women they said even due to the fact that like black women kind of have this um people view it as they're strong they have it together kind of leads to them being the most like having kind of these depression anxiety things that are kind of to themselves um and not feeling like they really share it as much um so they have an increasing rates of some mental health issues as well as they said, black youth was one of the um, one of the demographics that has, and I think it might have been specific to suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. but like specific to suicidal thoughts, um, yes. and also having more mental health issues. Whereas other numbers are kind of they're still high and around the same, but they see in some of the black communities starting to rise a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Can you just kind of speak to, not necessarily asking you to say like what's causing this, but you know what what could be kind of going on here um, and what can we do if we see kind of our populations um, increasingly and maybe it's just that it's increasingly coming out because you know we always kind of keep things in um, but that these rates are increasing right um what well, to be quite honest with you is something that I definitely pay very close attention to you know the fact that if I'm not mistaken like women are two times more likely to be diagnosed with depression than men mm-hmm. um And to be quite honest with you, I think a lot of that also has to do with like stereotypes, stigma and reporting, 
You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Women are more likely to be able to report these issues, right? And the stigma or stereotypes surrounding like the vulnerability and communication of issues with men. You know what I mean? And that that number is one that can be staggering and can ha- and, and that can happen. Good thing about it is, is that you know everybody is starting to be able to voice these things more, especially this this newer generation. The the generation Zers uh, are more likely to be able to seek treatment. They're more likely to be able to report mental health issues. So it's like mm-hmm. people are alarmed. It's like, oh my gosh, we're seeing an increase in these things, this thing, that thing, right, and surrounding mental health and uh suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, and I'm like. Yes, it is alarming that the numbers are up, right? But you want to know why those numbers are up? It's because people are talking about it. They're saying things. So it's the gift and the curse, right? Like we we are like alarmed, right? And we're concerned naturally as human beings about the fact that these things are happening without a doubt, right? If you have a heart of any kind. But it's like also we have to be able to see the silver lining when it comes to this, like People are normalizing, talking about what it is that they are going through, right? And putting that information out there. So naturally, you're going to be able to see more of that. But when it comes down to like, you know, the the, the, the surrounding issues with that, we cannot forget to also stay very culturally competent when it comes to these things. What, what affects me as a, as a Black man may be different from what affects someone as a white woman or, you know, a Hispanic male or female or Asian man or female, like I have to be well-versed as a therapist, right? Culturally in their background and the kinds of things, right? That can impact them differently from me. Like that is why we have to go the extra mile as providers. It's not just black and white. Oh, you have depression? No. You know what I mean? What kind of things are bleeding into that? Like, are there like family traditions, things culturally, right? Mm -hmm. That go into what it is that is impacting you. So, you know, even within our own communities, guys, like, I mean, there have been plenty of hardships for plenty of years, right? In relation to being taken advantage of, lied to, you know what I mean? And things of that nature done wrong um, as it pertains to like uh, doctor studies um, and things of that nature that have, you know, left a bad taste in our mouths. Because what happens like many, many years ago, what we were calling uh, especially in our community, uh, uh, therapists like shrinks and, and, and head doctors, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, nah, I don't need to go see a shrink. I don't need nobody to, you know, get up in there and mess me up. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, like that, that comes from a place of being done wrong. You know what I mean? That comes from a place, not just from being done wrong, you know, hundreds of years ago, that comes from a place of being done wrong yesterday. You know what I mean? When, when you okay. went to your doctor and they treated you wrong, you know what I mean? Because of the color of your skin or where it is that you came from. Like, we cannot forget that these experiences are still happening, that are still pushing people away from things. But that's where I come in. You know what I mean? Because amongst the madness, if we can have some peace, right? Like, then I can at least catch a couple. I might not be able to catch everyone, but but one is more than enough. You know what I mean? To be able to take that message and go and spread it to everyone else and say, you know what, this is not so bad. So we just cannot grow weary in good doing. You know what I mean? Like and what you all are doing and what it is that I'm actively choosing to do. It's like, look, like you have to continue to press forward. Like if it's something that it is that you're passionate about and being able to help people. And I am like, I don't care if it's just one person, you know, that is one person that can lead to another, that can lead to 10, that can lead to one, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they can take that message and spread it that, you know, this isn't a bad place. Um, so I, I just hope to continue to be that beacon of light some way or another. Yeah. As I, was saying, I just met you and you definitely are. Um, so thank you again for thank coming you. on the podcast. And we had, um, another therapist on a while ago last year, um, 
talking about decolonizing therapy and the importance of um, of that in these spaces. And so kind of a two-parter question. The first one is, and you kind of touched on the second half, but the first part is for therapists, how can therapists better serve patients from black and brown communities? Like what are a couple of things that they like tangible things that they can keep top of mind um, whenever they are serving people from these communities? Right. Um, I would say uh, that it's a two, it's a double-edged sword um, and a two-edged street. What I mean by that is just because you're black doesn't mean you go see a black therapist and they automatically can relate to you or help you. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not necessarily, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, everybody thinks that it's like, Oh snap, I've got a black therapist. This is about to be great. No, it's, it's like having a doctor that you like a hairdresser that you like a barber that you like. It doesn't matter if they're the same color uh, that you are. Like if they do a good service and you can relate to them in some way, then you're more likely to go back and see them. Right. So at the end of the day, that's exactly how it is. Like we have to make sure as therapists that we're careful, right? Of not trying to overdo it. You know what I mean? It's not like every time I see a black person, they come into therapy and I'm like, yo, what's good? How y'all doing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because everybody's not like that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, like some people will look at you like, all right, yeah, he's like not professional or what's going on there. But other people need that. So it's about being, building rapport, getting to know who it is, right, that you're helping. And, and the other way around, too, excuse me, there are things that I share about myself with my with my clients or patients, and, and the word is interchangeable, um, you know, just to make sure that, of course, right, that I'm showing them as well that I am human. Like, I'm not a robot. I'm not impenetrable. I deal with life stressors and life problems and have coping skills of my own. So... It's about really taking the time to be relatable, to get to know people, to realize that at the end of the day, if you're a good fit for them, because it's not a matter of ability. Like, yeah, a, a therapist, you know what I mean, can serve pretty much anyone, but it's like, is it a good fit? Am I a good fit for you? Come in and, and let's see if we can do that. And if not, then it's my responsibility to get you in front of somebody that is a good fit for you. No, thank you. That's, that's huge. That's a big deal. Um, and then for people who are not therapists, um, what's, do you have any tips on like how we can change the narrative or normalize, you know, mental mm -hmm. health and the discussion around it, like in our own communities and our friend groups and families? Yes. Um, first start by going yourself. You know what I mean? Being able to know what the benefits are personally, because it's different to walk around and say, oh my gosh, mental health is great. And they're like, have you ever went to therapy? Nope, but I know that mental health is great. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to speak from an educated place on this thing. You know what I mean? So go have your experiences, the good ones, the bad ones, the indifferent ones, and be able to go to people and say, hey, look, these are the benefits that I've been able to work for me. Like this, this, these are some of the drawbacks that I recognize and things of that nature. Like have those conversations in relation to that. And it doesn't always have to be about, hey, let's go see a therapist. It can just be, I mean, literally centrally about making sure that you utilize the supports and the coping skills that naturally work well for you. That is aiding in somebody's mental health. It doesn't always have to end in coming to see a licensed professional like myself. It doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, to be honest, like our job is to be able to make sure that we like literally take the strengths inside of a person and shine such a great light on them that they're able to use them independently outside of us. You know what I mean? So like we, we have to make sure that outside of therapy, if you're not a therapist, that you're just having the conversation in some way, right? But more importantly than that, 
asking a person what it is that they need instead of assuming what it is that they need, which happens all too often. Yeah, and to that point, that's one of the main things that I take away from therapy. So I attend, I'm, I'm learning more about myself, becoming more aware, but also I just love how it feels. It's like, oh, somebody's actually listening to me, right? Like for me, that's one of my things where it's like, oh, like this is an in-depth conversation and yet they're not talking, 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 you know, but sometimes we get around our friends and, you know, we're just talking about things. And the other day I had a dinner with a friend of mine because I like to just, you know, kind of catch up from time to time. And it was so interesting because I was, I think about how I hear my therapist talk and, or I like to listen to some therapy podcasts too, where I'm listening to like, wow, how they bring things out of people just by, by just the, the, the lightest of words. And, and me and a friend at dinner end up having conversations around, you know, um, his idealizations of his parents' relationship and why, you know, where he thinks he is. And I'm just, you know, you know, how does that make you feel? Tell me more. And I'm actually learning how to have a better and more in-depth conversation in general because of the way I'm learning how that feels for me. And I'm learning just to be more open anyway. So I'll talk about like, yeah, man, right now I'm really focusing on trying to practice listening more. Like, can I practice with you right now? Like, that sounds so cheesy right now, but like, that's literally what we were saying and talking about. And we're just talking about things that are tough or things that we're working on and, you know, kind of just normalizing, keeping it real. Cause you know, it's easy to just be like, how's everything going? great cool like and things are great right? In, in some way, but also just be what it is that a person may need at that time. Like, and that's it. Th- there are times where we, would, where we like to over push, right? Or over engage. What's wrong with you? Just talk to me. Please just say something. You know what I mean? Like that happens oh too often with friends, with family members. Like I'm not going to leave here until you say something. You know what I mean? And things of that nature. Like, and it's not a bad thing to show that you are present, concerned, and a support. I'm not going to get away from that. But at the end of the day, we also have to allow people the space and autonomy, right, to be able to say, okay, I'm ready now. You know what I mean? Or this is my communication style. You know, it's not necessarily that I want to sit down and talk to you, but I do a lot better if I could like text you about this or listen to a couple of voice messages about this. So, you know what, like the Zoom or the FaceTime is a little bit less, uh, you know, intimate for me. Like this kind of gives me like a little bit of separation in relation to that too. So let me try to do something that naturally is going to work for me in that particular regard. So we have to continue to make sure that we're those ears. If somebody starts to talk, right, about what it is that's going on for them, if you are in a position to be able to receive that though, let me be clear about that, then do so. Because a lot of times what happens, folks just kind of just pop up on people, right? And just like, like uh, uh, emotionally vomit is what I like to say, like all their issues onto their lap. And, I'm, and some people are like, look, do you know what kind of week I had? Like I lost my job, my dog ran away. Like I can't handle your stuff right now. So it is on both ends. If you're gonna come to somebody with your issues, you need to be able to be uh, cognizant or sensitive to the fact of what it is that they're going through too. Hey, I'm kind of dealing with some stuff. Is it okay if I kind of like, you know, talk to you about these things and give that person the opportunity to be able to accept or deny you? 
but but it's okay if people say no because i believe that you would much rather talk to somebody who's in a position that can be receptive to what you're saying and actually listen to you instead of somebody that's just like like i didn't hear a word you said i'm thinking about how i'm gonna keep my lights on you know what i mean like because they're having their own stuff so everybody's going through it but let's just be sensitive to each other as to what is what and know when you're in a position to be a support and know when you need to just be a cheerleader from afar you know yeah Nah, that's huge. Um, being in the right space. So for someone who like, I'm sure you're, you know, a light for your clients, but also, you know, there for a lot of people in your life and friends and family, like, how do you support your own mental health? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to what you say about being there for my own friends and family, I tell people all the time, I'm off work, y'all. Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't ask me nothing. Stop bothering me. I am not going to diagnose you right now. No, I'm not analyzing you right now. No, I did not give you a diet because people you'll get that a lot as a therapist. Are you analyzing me right now? No, I'm not. I'm actually off work and I'm eating a salad, right? So I'm not <laughs> analyzing you. So um, in, in order to, to make sure that, of course, that people get what they need, it's just it just comes down to being able to ask questions. But for me personally, right, in order to make sure that I'm good to go, it's about paying attention to my own coping skills and the things that work best for me. What are those things? Um, being physically active in some way, like I used to be like an avid runner before I got old, you know what I'm saying? And my knees was like, nah, you can't do like that no more, JD. Like we can't do it like we used to. So I have to do lighter intervals of that, um, in some way, but also spending time with my family, spending time with my friends is super important to me. They are my village. You know what I mean? And, and we have to be leery of the fact of whether your village is one that is toxic or one that is going to be able to encourage or promote because some folks don't recognize or understand while they are burnt out in any way or another and continue to go to their village and don't leave restored, you know what I mean? Or filled in any way because you have to be able to check your circle too, you know what I mean? And the people that are in your village because it could be somebody plotting to burn down that village on you or poisoning the water, you know what I mean? So constantly make sure that you check yourself and check your village. But I mean, those are things that just go a long way. I, I'm, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. I, I go back home um, as often as my wife will allow me to, to go <laughs> and see my friends and hang out with my family and things like that, because it, it, it keeps me grounded, but it gives me a restored sense of peace as well. Like, because like they're so encouraging and, they're, and they keep it real with me. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what we've done in our lives, what direction we've all gone in, like they will tell me how it is and I need that. And, and that brings me so much peace. So stick to the things that are positive. And I say positive, you know what I mean? Cause y'all people take my advice and they run with it sometimes. I'm like, do what works for you. Go get the tequila. You know what I mean? Like real quick. And I'm like, look, okay. I didn't say like, okay, in moderation, you know what I mean? Certain things are good. You ain't got, I'm not saying that that doesn't help certain people, but it is about being cognizant, right? Of the use of these things, being safe and knowing uh, to, to when things need to be in moderation. So do what works for you, but also make sure that those things are as positive as they can. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's definitely important that you take care of yourself as well so you can bring your best self to other folks. Um, yeah. As we wrap up here, we really appreciate the work that you're doing. We appreciate your uh, energy and, and your willingness to kind of be there for other folks and, and to, as you said, you know, serve the few people that you can mm -hmm. and to yeah. see how that grows and, and how that continues to have a huge impact. Um, 
work that you're doing is very important. So we really thank you for joining us. Um, at the end of our episodes, we usually do like a shout out, but since we have a guest, we're shouting you out. We're thankful for you. Um, and let the folks know, listeners know, you know, where you are online, how can they connect with you? Um, and if there's anything you want to shout out, if you want to lead people to something, let them know uh, somewhere they can, you know, interact with you, et cetera. Got you. About to big y'all up big time right now. Everybody, look, uh, again, my name is Jaron Doby, known as JD, lovingly amongst my community and friends. Here today with Alexia and Carly on Carly's Couch. Had a wonderful time. You can find me um, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Clubhouse at Jaren Doby. That's J-A-R-E-N-D-O-B-Y. Um, you can connect with me there, like send me an email, like directly get in contact with me if you're interested in being able to talk, collaborate, have me come through and speak in any way. I'll be more than happy, uh, of course, to be able to do that. Um, also want to uh, shout out my scholarship, um, the Brendan Dwight Blue Memorial Scholarship, um, which is an, uh, a scholarship that it is that I made along with my deceased uh, friends, family um, out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, we actually took an opportunity to develop that uh, scholarship for um, students, high school seniors that, of course, that are transitioning into college from my uh, alma mater in Greensboro, Dudley High School. So you can check out more information about that at scholarshipforblue.com. You can donate if you would like, guys. We're changing lives by being able to help uh, young high school students transition, of course, to college and go and do uh, bigger and better things than we could ever think of. Um, I am just so thankful, grateful to be able to be on this platform with you guys. I've been watching. I will continue to watch, um, continue to encourage, encourage others to watch. So, um, yes, thank you all so much. Please, please, if I can't say it one time or say it 10 million times, I'll say it 10 million and one times. Do not stop doing what it is that the two of you are doing. It is greatly appreciated. And I truly mean that. Thank you, oh, thank you so much, Darren. Um, for everybody listening, we're going to at him in the show notes so you can go follow him, go support his scholarship, go donate, you know, put some coins in there for him and all those high school students. And then since you've been watching, you know, we about to end with the question of the week. So I'm going to shoot this to you first. And the question uh -huh. of the week is, what is one hidden talent that nobody would guess that you have? A hidden talent that no one would guess that I have. Mm -hmm. a lot of I things. didn't know you used to be a musician, so that wasn't it for me. That's cool. I know. What kind of musician? What did you do? What did you play? Or So, oh my gosh, uh, I was in a Caribbean steel drum group. So the ones that you yeah, see like in all the islands, right, with little vacation and movies. I was a Caribbean steel drum player, a percussionist too. I played like drum set and like hand drums, like African drums or djembe's as they're called. Kungas, right, with your hand drums too. Um, oh my gosh. I uh, My mom... A lot of people uh, know this, but don't know that I do this with her. My mother is a professional singer and actress. So her uh, band by the by the name of Dobie, which is my last name also, of course, like they travel funk soul. And sometimes they'll call me up to do a couple of numbers like with them and stuff. So we'll do a couple of like cover songs and I'll rap and stuff like that. And like fake sing background for her because she's a <laughs> singer and I'm not. So I guess that's more so a hidden talent that a lot of people aren't necessarily aware unless you just catch me because that's my one of my biggest coping skills too is performing. So I guess that is uh, my hidden talent. I knew y'all was coming with a question. And I, was like, I wonder what it's going to be. I learned it at the top of this. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, music is definitely my outlet still outside of the things that I do in mental health community because it helps keep me, you know what I mean, um, a, a sound mind and body so I continue to do it. So if you ever 
see a promotion for Adobe of any kind and things like that. Come check them out. Visual, like catch them online. Like if it's like a live feed or anything like that, they'd be killing it. And when I join them, we just take it to another level. So yeah, I guess that's my my hidden talent. Lex, what's yours? Um, I'm a. I have a lot of random things, but I'm gonna take it to the country and say, um, fishing. And I say that because I so I used to love fishing, but like fishing and like actually like also like scale them and and like cut it up and like oh. all those things. Um, so I miss that. I haven't done this since I've been la like that but i love fishing and i was always like the one who always like always caught a lot of fish so that's just random is this did you learn this in the bahamas or in north carolina or both um north carolina oh, okay and i didn't it, nobody even taught me like i used to just be a nerd and like i just love fishing so i like used to go to the library and read books about it um, no. like yeah and like i went and got like fishing poles and like just did all the things and just really like was into learning how to do that i think i was on a kick of like how do you just live in the wilderness? Like that's always been an interesting thing to me too. Um, and where I grew up, we had like a creek and like some woods and stuff. So I used to just always be out there on my, um, basically on my like Robinson Crusoe vibes. Oh, that's fire. <laughs> Yo, that's so cool. I mean, we gotta go fishing now. Now that you said that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure that out. Um, mine, ooh, um, I would say probably 3D modeling. Um, people don't know, cause I used to be an engineer. And in construction, part of that was like CAD, Revit, like creating things. That's actually why I started. That's why I became an engineer because on Sims back in the day, you use a little Cinderella cheat code. You had unlimited bread. You could build whatever you wanted to, design it however you wanted to. And so when I got in college, that was part of it, you know, spending all night like building these things. And so when I applied to business school, part of it was like, you can, you can build whatever you want to or create a project. And I built this whole world, how I reimagined it. And that was part of my application. That's cool. Yeah, that's random. There's so many things because, like, thinking back, I was like, man, I could say, like, dynamics, tap dance. Yeah, like, I was thinking dance. Things. I was like, I used to sing. Like, come on. But then I'm like, what, yeah. I, what can I still do now? Like, it's kind of different, right? That's um, so, yeah, I have my list of, like, things I want to re-engage also. So I want to start getting right. back into doing, like, regular lessons for things and stuff like that, right? Because hobbies are very, very good, I think, for, you know, a break from work mm-hmm. and family and friends sometimes just to have something that you're working on yourself. Important into yourself. That's ne- necessary for life. Plus playing, you got to play. You got to have fun. Exactly. You got to, you got to. Which, uh, you, you made me think too, like in relation to, I guess that's something that people really don't know about me guys is that like in my downtime for like certain people or people that ask I do some designing as well like literally like clothing items and stuff like like, I've designed like a couple of like jackets um for people and things of that nature too I recently I guess the most the last piece I did was actually for my brother he's a huge Ghostbusters fan you know I mean we were kids Ghostbusters 2 was his thing so I designed a jacket for him patches all the good stuff like everything down to the number. So that's something that I find great pride in too, like in my downtime, just to be able to take things, right? And create and put those things together. Uh, I am not yay. I am not like all these big fashion designers and things like that. But like, it is something that I truly, to be honest with you, like enjoy doing. And I don't think I have ever said that. And like on a platform such as you also, <laughs> I want to say this is breaking news, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's something that I enjoy. But well, Definitely got to do that fishing and you know what I'm saying? And look, Carly, b- building things, like when you start doing that 3D, like engineering and things like that too, like we got to be able to talk more. So look, all y'all's hidden talents are pretty good. <laughs> Let's go. I yeah. love that. Uh, thank you, JD, for all of our listeners. 
let us know this week. You know, comment on how you feel about the episode. Any questions you might have for JV. Um, and let us know what your hidden talents are as well. So again, we thank you for joining us, Jaren. Um, listeners, as always, we appreciate you being here. And we will see you next week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>